0: And um, let's come before the Lord in prayer. Let's pray together. Lord God, we're so thankful for your word. Um, We're thankful for the truths that are in it and the perfection of your word. The way in which your sovereign hand has kept truth for us to where we know um, what is right and your desire for all of us as far as what you wanted us to know. You tell us that your word is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and for reproof and for correction and for instruction in righteousness that we may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, you have kept the perfection of your word through the ages. We praise you for that. We pray, Lord, that you'd be blessing our time in in, in your word on this morning. Cause it to... um, just be so clear to us, and and we pray that your Holy Spirit would just work so mightily in our hearts as we read your word, that we might grow and be transformed into your image more and more. I pray that, that on this day that it would be a joyful day for us, celebrating our dads, thinking of, of the blessings in which you have blessed us with, and especially um, worshiping our Heavenly Father, who is always there for us and is always good and always loving and always just and always does all those things which are perfect. Uh, May may we just follow your example as we minister um, to our kids and one to another. Be glorified this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 18 beginning of verse 28. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium, and it was early morning. But they themselves did not go into the praetorium, lest they should be defiled, that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. And then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. And then Pilate entered the praetorium again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me, what have you done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should be delivered to the Jews. So, so, should I, so I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? And Jesus answered. Continuing our study in the Gospel of John, and we have come to this place in Scripture where Jesus is before Pilate, um, the the Roman leader. Just in the previous chapter, we saw that that he was arrested, that the soldiers had come, but it was the religious leaders primarily that were there to accuse him. Um, A false trial that took place before the Sanhedrin, before the high priest, before those that were those within the religious authority of Judaism. Now, he's brought before before Pilate. He's left Caiaphas, the high priest, and and it's early morning, and they are bringing him to Pilate. Now, notice in verse 28, it says, they led Jesus from Caiaphas to, to the praetorium, and it was early morning, but they themselves did not go into the praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. So you see this Jewish High court, the Sanhedrin, those that were um, in authority there within Israel. And they know that they have no ability to put someone to death. As far as under Roman law, they are supposed to go before the Romans to have someone put to death. They're supposed to get approval before they put someone to death. So these men, they're about to put to death the creator of all that exists, the perfect lamb of God that has no spot or blemish, through the most unfair, wicked trial of all time, breaking law after law as they conducted this trial, and they're full of hatred, sin, envy. They love darkness rather than the light, and so they're they're haters of Jesus, the light. But they're feeling pretty good about themselves because they're keeping up with their religious purity. You see it within the text here is they're, they're bringing him to Pilate. There's been so much sin within all their hearts, but they're saying, we can't go in to the Praetorium. We can't go in to where Pilate's at because we don't want to be defiled by him. We don't want to be defiled by whatever... Is in there. We need to take the Passover, and so as a result, we are going to just make sure that we don't do anything that would go against our religious ideologies. It's no wonder that Jesus referred to the religious leaders as blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Matthew chapter 23. He says to them, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees! you're hypocrites you clean the outside of the cup but the inside's full of extortion and self-indulgence you blind pharisees you you're those that you're like whitewashed tombs where you appear beautiful outwardly but inside you're full of dead men's bones and, and all uncleanness even so, also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. He's saying to them, you, you appear to be the religious ones, you appear to be the righteous ones, you appear to be the good ones, but inside it's just lawlessness and sin and, 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 and death that's inside of you. It's possible for people to completely reject the God of the Bible completely reject the Jesus that's found in Scripture, to reject the clarity of the gospel of salvation, which comes by faith alone, by grace alone, through Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. And yet, still feel pretty good about keeping up with their religious duties. Can you see it here in our text? They, 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 They have rejected Christ. They hate him. They want him put to death on that day, regardless of how many laws they break. But at the same time, they feel good about themselves as far as, but we don't want to be impure, so we can't take the Passover. We don't want to do anything to defile ourselves. We want to make sure that we're still okay on that front. It's possible to try to keep a set of rules, but fail miserably in loving God and trusting in Christ and his work on the cross alone for salvation. We see it across the world today. People who are religious. They want to do their good works. They want to do all the things that they think are necessary for them to do religiously. And yet, they don't know God. They don't trust in Christ as their Lord and their Savior. They don't submit to Him as as far as the gospel and how it is that they are to be saved. But they still feel okay about themselves because They keep the rules. That is these religious leaders. In verse 29, it says, Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? What's your accusation against him? And they answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. What kind of answer is that? What accusation do you bring against him? Well, why do you think we're bringing him to you? If he wasn't an evildoer, we wouldn't have brought him to you. It should be enough that we just brought him to you. Just give us the stamp that says that we can crucify him. Do you get that idea? Why do we need to tell you? Luke tells us that they, that they did tell Pilate. Um, he says that they said, we, we found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar. And saying that he himself is Christ a king. From Luke's account he says those are the three reasons that, that they gave. Okay? He's an evildoer. We, why else would we have delivered him up to you? But if you need to know, he, he's perverting the nation. He's forbidding people to pay taxes to Caesar. And he's saying that he himself is Christ the king. Well, Christ was not perverting the nation. He simply turning the fake religion of the religious leaders upside down and exposing how, how they went completely against Scripture. He's not telling them not to pay taxes. Do you remember when they came to him and, 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 and said, tell us, well, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay taxes to Caesar? They think that they got him. They think that they've caught him. And Do you remember what Jesus said? He says that he, that he perceived their wickedness And he said, why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me your money. So they brought him a denarius, and he said to them, whose image is on it? And inscription is this. And they said, Caesar's. And he said to them, so then render, therefore, to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. He doesn't say don't pay taxes. He's saying give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but give the things that are God's to him. Give it. To the Lord. So, the last thing that they said was, he's saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And so that's the one that kind of sticks with Pilate. He knows that the other two just aren't true. So there in verse 31, Pilate says, that, says to them, you take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore, the Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. Pilate's saying, you take him. You judge him. You do it according to your law. And these guys are just saying, we want him to be put to death. There's no second choice for us. Life imprisonment is not an option. A beating is not an option. We want him put to death. And we're not allowed to do that. We want him put to death. Matthew tells us that Pilate knew, though, that the Jews had handed Jesus over to him because of envy. That's what Matthew tells us. Pilate knew that the real reason why Jesus was being handed over to Pilate was because of envy was because of the sin that was within the hearts of the religious leader, the jealousy that was there. In verse 32 it says, Now the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. This is interesting. Because you, 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 you see this particular time in history in which there is Roman crucifixion. We're told by John here that he's going to be put to death. But it's to fulfill the death in which he determined would take place. The Jews were putting people to death. You remember in Acts chapter 7 with with Stephen? um, It tells us that they cast him out of the city and they what? They stoned him to death. That's what the Jews would do. When they wanted to put someone to death, they would stone the person to death. They stoned Stephen and Stephen saying... Calling out to God saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he knelt down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with the sin. And as he said this, he fell asleep. Acts chapter 7, Stephen is stoned to death by the religious leaders. But they didn't stone Jesus to death. That's the way that their mob mentality would typically work as far as, let's put him to death. Let's pick up stones and stone him. You remember that throughout the gospel accounts where there's times where the religious leaders are picking up stones and Jesus disappears from their presence, but not here. Here at this particular time, they've arrested him, but they specifically want to bring him before Pilate. They want to bring him before the government. They could have just put him to death immediately by stoning him, but they're saying, we're not going to do it that way. It's not lawful for us to be able to put him to death by crucifixion, and we want him crucified. It may be that that they want him before All of the people that are there in Jerusalem, in that region, as they're all there, they want them to see this one who calls himself the Messiah. This one who calls himself the Christ. To see him there hanging upon a tree and and, and nails driven through his hands and a nail driven through his feet. And being there as a spectacle to everybody as far as this is the one who calls himself the king of the Jews. Um, But John tells us that these things happen, that Jesus might fulfill the sayings in which he spoke, saying, by what death he would die. In John chapter 3, we hear Jesus say, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent, so must the Son of Man be what? Lifted up. Lifted up. In John chapter 12 and verse 32, Jesus said, And I, if I'm lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all peoples to myself. And this, he said, signifying by what death he would die. John chapter 3, John chapter 12. Even before that, in Deuteronomy, in chapter 21, it tells us that cursed is... And this is referring to the inheritance. And it says, For he who is hanged on a tree is a curse. Cursed is everyone. And it goes from there. Galatians chapter 3 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. It goes back to Deuteronomy as far as the way in which Jesus would be put to death. That he'd be put to death in such a manner that he'd be hung there on a cross on a tree. He would become sin for us. He would become the curse for us so that all of our sin is placed upon him as he hangs there on the cross. cross. Just as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so would the Son of Man be lifted up. It goes through in Scripture and talks about the way in which which he would be put to death. It gives details as far as looking through the Psalms and other places as far as hands being pierced and and them staring at him and looking at him and his mouth becoming dry, all of the details as far as the way in which Jesus was, would be crucified were laid out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before the crucifixion took place. And so stoning Jesus to death wasn't a possibility. He must hang on the cross. He must be brought before Pilate. It must be according to the Roman tradition of execution. I think it's interesting just looking at history in itself in which you find that throughout history there's all different kinds of ways that people have been put to death. You go to different societies and find ways in which they're put to death now by firing squad, being hung to death. You go through and you can find awful ways in which people were tortured. If you go to places like in London, you could go to someplace like the London dungeon and find out how they would put people to death and torture them in different ways. You could go someplace like to Warwick Castle and go into like this little underground area that for some odd reason when I was a kid I always thought was the coolest place to go to when we would go to to London was Warwick Castle, the dungeon. We could go see how they tortured people, how they would put them in a box and leave them there until they You know, starved to death, or they would put them on the rack and stretch them. And so you'd see like all these methods of torture that would take place. You can go throughout history and find all different ways in which people have been put to death for the last several thousands of years. But there's only one time frame in which there was crucifixion, and that was in this particular time under the Roman Empire in which the laws were in such incredible detail that they're still the ones that are used throughout much of Western society today as far as the way in which their judicial system worked is what we and and countless other countries have modeled themselves after. And they put people to death by the cross. Jesus came at that time, at that perfect time, so that he would be hung there on a tree, so that his hands would be pierced and his feet would be pierced. And you could go through the details of all that took place and find it all throughout Scripture as far as the details of the cross. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And so, verse 32 says, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. In verse 33, it says, Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Are you the king of the Jews? He knows that he's not trying to pervert a nation. He knows that it's not an issue of tax. But the one that stuck was he says that he's king of the Jews. Now, this is a problem for for Pilate because Pilate's the one that is the leader. Pilate's the one that has been placed there by Roman authority. Pilate's the one that's there that's supposed to represent the Roman government and to rule that particular land. And the question's coming up is, is there an uprising? Are you trying to be king of the Jews? Are you trying to be in this area and taking the place of Caesar? And so Jesus responds by saying, are you speaking? for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning me? The way Jesus answers this question um, is interesting. He's not being disrespectful to him. But this isn't simply a yes or no answer for, for Jesus. When Pilate says to him, are you the king of the Jews? The question that comes is, Is this coming from you, from a Roman place? Or did others tell you this? Because if it's from a a Roman perspective, am I trying to be the political leader of the Jews to take over the Romans? The answer would be no. But from a Jewish perspective, am I the long-awaited Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the only true God, the King of Israel, by whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess my lordship? And I'm the one that's taken David's place as far as within the throne, coming from his lineage. Am I the one that's setting up a kingdom that will be an everlasting kingdom? The answer to that question would be absolutely. Yes. And so he asks him, Are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning me? And Pilate answers, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? So his response is, why would I be asking you from a Jewish perspective, am I a Jew? No, I'm asking you from being a Roman, being someone in leadership. He was actually someone that wasn't a good leader. He had done some terrible things over the course of, of his time and in, 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 in being a leader within that area. He had had people bring signs with an inscription that would, would have the leaders' face engraved on it, and people hated that, and he, he did other terrible things while he was reigning in that area. His came from a family that was terrible as well, and, and, and there's been all kinds of problems as far as some of the things that, that Pilate had done. But he's saying, am I a Jew? Your own nation, the chief priest, had delivered you to me. What have you done? And so Jesus answers the question. He says this in 40, verse 36. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Incredible answer. Am I the king of the Jews? Well, my kingdom is not of this world. It's not one that is, is of this realm. If it were of this world, my servants would fight. But they're not. I mean, Peter tried, and I put Malchus's ear right back on. Told him not to fight. If, if, if my kingdom was of this world, then I would be the one to lead, and we would fight. It's not the case. My kingdom is not from here. We think of the kingdom of God. Daniel chapter 7 refers to the kingdom of God and says, Behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancient of days and brought him near before him. And then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. He's setting up a kingdom that is an eternal kingdom in which we will be there with him as his people and be there for all eternity because our sins have been washed away and we've been made a part of his family and brought into his kingdom. But it's an everlasting one, and he reigns. It's not one that's here of this world. First Chronicles chapter 29, and verse 11, it says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty, for all that is in heaven and earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. His kingdom is something that's far greater than the Roman Empire. His kingdom is something that's far greater than anything that this world could ever muster up as far as what they think is big. We'll look at this in the next couple weeks. But in John chapter 19, Pilate says to him later... Um, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? And Jesus says to Pilate, You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. You can't do anything unless it's been given to you from above. My kingdom is something that's just far greater than you. It's interesting when you look at politics and you look at leaders that are around the world, whether it be Putin or... Obama or going around the country and, 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 and you find leaders in, in China or Germany or wherever it is as far as leaders that think they have so much power. Um, looking upon this election coming up, there's no lack of egos amongst the candidates that are before us either way and yet the fact of the matter is is although they think they are so great and so powerful there's no power that they can have unless it's given to them by a sovereign god we have no ability to make our heart beat one more time we have no ability to do that it's all dependent upon God. Just think, frequently throughout all of history you'll find leaders that find themselves to be so powerful and Jesus is saying you can have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. So Pilate says to him in verse 37 are you a king then? And Jesus answers and says you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. You say rightly that I am a king. That's the right thing to say. I was born to be a king. I came into this world to be a king. Who speaks like that unless you are the one who has always existed and you're the king of kings and you're the Lord of lords and you came born of a virgin. You came in your perfect timing. You came into the world from where you were at to be king and to reign above all. And so he says, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born for this cause I come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Why do we celebrate Christmas? Because Christ was born and he's come into the world to be king and to bear witness to the truth. You find in Luke chapter 1 and verse 30 where the angel comes to Mary and says, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. It will never end. He came into the world to be king and to rule for all eternity as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The angel proclaimed that at his birth. For this reason, I was born. You find this incredible unity throughout the entirety of Scripture and throughout the entirety in the, in the, in the life of, of Christ, don't you? From what the angel proclaims here to what Jesus is saying there before he's, as he's before Pilate, right hours before his death. That I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Everyone. In John chapter 14, in verse 6, we reread, Jesus says to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and you've seen him. I'm the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So Pilate responds by saying, what is truth? Now, it's a good question, isn't it? What is truth? The problem is is he's not answering it or asking the question, looking for an answer from Christ. He's just in a place of Jesus is brought here before me. I'm supposed to Proclaim whether he's guilty and should go to the cross or whether he's innocent. They brought him before me. They have these made-up charges against him. There's no witnesses to even account of these things. I'm asking him questions to be able to find can I put him to death? I just asked him if he was king of the Jews and he gave me this answer that makes it so that at least I'm not threatened and the Roman Empire is not threatened because his kingdom's not of this world. We're not told this in this particular text, but what, what we find elsewhere in the Gospels is that Pilate's wife had sent him a letter saying like, just don't have anything to do with, with condemning this, this righteous man. I had a dream, like you, you just, just don't, don't do anything to him. And so he's got this letter that's come in from his wife. He's there in the morning. He's saying, my my wife woke up. She sent a servant to bring me this letter. It's urgent. I'm not supposed to do anything with this righteous man. And so here I am, and I'm asking him these questions. And he just said, I'm here to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And his response is, What is truth? What is it? Isn't that a question that you would find today in this relativistic world that we live in? What is truth? What does it matter? What is truth? How do you even know? I mean, how how do you know that your religion is right? How do you know that the other religions aren't right? The fact that we would say that, such a thing as, that there's such a thing as truth makes us extremists in the world's eyes. They put us on the same level of the wickedness of what that man did in Orlando last week. How do you proclaim truth? What is truth? How do you know truth? He goes from there and says, I find no fault in him at all. I find no fault in him. He goes before the Jews, I find no fault in him at all. But you can't be in a place of, hey, I'm okay because I don't find any fault in him. There is truth that you have to deal with. You can't just come to a place of, I'm agnostic. I don't know which way is right, so I'm just going to kind of stay in the middle. And I don't find any fault with him, but what is truth, Jesus? I don't know. And I'm just going to do my own thing and live my life. And what does it matter what I believe? How can anybody know truth? But it does matter. Truth does matter. If Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There's no man that could come to the Father except by me. Then truth matters. In a huge way, it matters. It matters whether or not Jesus is God. That truth matters to us today. And it should have mattered to Pilate on that day. It matters. You go through scripture and and it proclaims the deity of Christ. You look at where it says a virgin will be with child and bear a son. Matthew one twenty three, his name should be called Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. God became flesh. God with us. You look at John chapter one where it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word what? was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. And then from there you say, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Romans 9.5 refers to Jesus as the eternally blessed God. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that he didn't consider it robbery to make himself equal with God. And that every name, or that the name of Jesus, every knee would bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. And every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Titus chapter 2. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You find that he's worshiped. find it in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 9 where there's when they heard the king they departed and behold a star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was and then when they saw the star they rejoiced with exceeding great joy exceedingly great joy and when they had come into the house they saw the young child with Mary his mother and they what? They fell down and they worshipped him they worshipped him Revelation chapter 5, and I looked, and there I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, the number of them was ten thousands times ten thousands and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive... Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and what? They worshiped him who lives forever and ever. They get it. Does it matter whether Jesus is deity? Yes, it matters. He refers to himself as God throughout scripture. They call him God. They worship him over and over and over again. Matthew 9:18, the ruler came and they worshiped him. Matthew 14:33, then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, "Truly you are the Son of God." After Jesus rose again from the dead, the disciples came, and behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. And so they came, and they held him by the feet, and they what? They worshipped him. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, and then what else? Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You find in scripture that he's always existed. Everlasting father he's called. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He's at all places at all times. Jesus says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. He knows all things. John two twenty four, but Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men, and he had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. It's all powerful. And the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the what? The Almighty. And he doesn't change, he's immutable. Hebrews thirteen, eight, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Created all things, all things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. The deity of Christ matters, he forgives sin, he rose again from the dead, and he will judge. The deity of Christ does it matter? Yes, it matters. Pilate says, What is truth? What is truth? And then he walked away. We look and say, What is truth? And our response is, this is truth. Right here, this is truth. All of it's been given by inspiration of God. All of it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that you would be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's the Word of God, it's more precious than gold. It's that which reveals to us who God is and who we are and how it is that we might be saved. It is perfect. It's truth. What is truth? The truth is that Pilate was about to put to the cross Jesus, who is the creator of this universe, who has always existed, whose scripture had talked about for millenniums before, And that he was coming to save his people. That's truth. Pilate just walked away. What is truth? I find no fault in this man. But what is truth? The truth was that Pilate needed to fall down on his knees and to worship him. And to trust him. And to believe in him. And to follow him. For all the rest of his life. It didn't end that way for Pilate. Pilate did more bad things and he ended up we're told through history that he was to report to his leader, the Roman leader. And on the way that particular leader died, and what ended up happening was Pilate was forced to take his own life. Didn't will end well. Not for Pilate. And yet he's there before Jesus and Jesus is saying, I'm the truth. I am the king. Find two different groups of people in our text this morning. One is the religious leaders that just follow their religion and doing all of their duties, trying to keep themselves from being defiled and yet they don't have any kind of relationship with Christ, their Savior. They're not saved. The other is a secular man who just takes an agnostic position of what is truth. Both are condemned. Apart from faith in Christ, both are condemned. And yet Jesus tells us in our text this morning that everyone who hear, who, who is of the truth hears my voice. Do you know the truth this morning? Has the Holy Spirit so worked in your life to know who your God is, who your Savior is, who our Messiah is? Praise the Lord if the power of the word this morning or at some point in your life became so alive and real to you and that you came to faith in Christ. The gospel is clear. The message is clear. Who Jesus was and is is clear. And how we can spend eternity with him is clear. So whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Will you pray with me? We thank you, Lord, for the gospel. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus is fully in control of this situation in which he is going to go to the cross. Not be stoned to death, but go to the cross that he might become a curse for us. And just as the serpent was lifted up, so might he be lifted up that we might look upon him and be saved. That we might have faith in him and be saved. I Thank you for every part of the text that we had this morning. It shows your power in all these things. It shows that it, it wasn't necessarily Jesus there before Pilate, but more Pilate there before Jesus. Jesus speaking and Pilate being in a place of thinking he's in control, but not in control at all. And here we are, Lord, before you. We're not in control. It's you who are in control. And yet you tell us, whosoever believes in you would not perish, but have everlasting life. I pray that today would be the day of salvation for anybody in this room who is not yet saved that they wouldn't be able to walk away from here and think, what is truth? But they would be able to see in Deuteronomy how you said you were going to die, in the Psalms, how you said you were going to die, the details that were given, and the fact that you died on that cross and you rose again on the third day, appeared to the disciples, appeared to even 5,000 people. And I pray that today would be the day in which they would believe. For us as your people, may we worship you. May we worship you with the entirety of our beings. And may you be exalted and find great joy through the praises of your people. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.